Hey, Praise Chapel, Isaiah Saldivar here from The Awakening 209. This morning's message, I want to talk to you about clearing out your home of every idol that's preventing the move of God. You know, many times there are things in our home that we don't realize are actually idols, and God wants us to remove those before His power can move. I'm going to share some powerful stories about how I removed idols out of my home and saw a great move of God happen in my living room. I hope this message blesses you. God bless. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout. Extra volume for the second service. Thank you so much. Come on, let's give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. Did you come excited? Come on, who came to worship? Who came to praise? I'm telling you, I sound like Kermit the Frog because I've been up here shouting for the last three sessions, but I believe that God has something special in store for us this morning. I believe that we did not come just for an average service. Now, if you're wondering why I'm gonna breathe, I'll breathe in about 40 minutes. If you're wondering why I'm yelling and talking fast, I'm half Hispanic, half Italian, so there's that. If you're wondering when they're gonna turn it down, they're not gonna turn it down. They're gonna keep turning it up as I beg them to. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, there is coming passion back to the house of the Lord. I believe God is restoring passion. He's restoring praise and he's restoring worship. There is coming a day, and y'all are going to look at me like I'm crazy, but I just want to say there is coming a day where you're going to come to the church and we're going to be more excited about the God that saved us, healed us, and delivered us than about people at the football game for a bunch of grown men in tight pants chasing after a football. There's coming a day where we're going to come to the church and we're going to be more passionate and we're going to be more excited and vibrant and, exci- and, and and loud about a God that healed us and delivered us than about guys bouncing a ball up and down a court. There is coming a day where we're going to be more excited. And I know I won't get a lot of shouts here, and I'm probably going to get a couple tomatoes thrown at me. But we are going to be more excited about what God is doing in the church than the new ride that got released at Disneyland. There is coming a day where the passion and the praise and the worship is being restored to God's house. One of the greatest hindrances to revival, one of the greatest hindrances to the move of God is when we get casual about the presence of God, is when we get complacent about the presence of God. If you look at Uzzah and A who got killed for touching the ark of God, they got casual with the anointing. They got casual with the ark. The ark had been in their home for years and they no longer reverence what God was saying. They no longer reverence what God is doing. Friend, I live in church. I know what it's like to get casual at the presence of God. But I believe that God is breaking casual Christianity off of the church. Come on, help me. I believe that God is breaking us walking in, saying, I already know what God is going to say. I already know what God is going to do. But there is a hunger and a desperation. David said, I'm going to praise you, not because what I'm going through, not because everything's working out, but I'm going to praise you according to your excellent greatness. My worship and my praise is not determined by what I'm going through. My praise is not determined by how I feel feel. If I was waiting to feel it, I would never praise and worship. If I was waiting to want to, I would never praise and worship. But there are moments like this morning where I'm weary and tired and I have to tell my flesh to shut up that I'm not listening to you, but I'm led by the Spirit and my praise is a weapon. My praise is a nuclear warhead in the spiritual realm that my My worship invokes the armies of God. My praise invokes the armies of God. If you need deliverance, you should try praise. If you need breakthrough, you should try worship. Am I at the right place? 
got to make sure I didn't step into St. Anthony's on accident. It's getting quiet in here. Come on. When I praise, now if it was, now number one, I'm not trying to lose weight. So I'm not up here shouting. I'm not, I'm not up here screaming. I'm not up here running around for aerobics or to shed some calories or to get some sweat, friend. I'm doing it because I have liberty to. Paul says that where the spirit of the Lord is, that there is liberty. Now Paul was not just talking about liberty from drug addiction, although there is liberty from drug addiction. Paul was not talking about liberty from confusion, although there is liberty from confusion. Paul was not talking about liberty from this or that. Paul in context was saying where the spirit is, there is liberty from the religious bondage that keeps you silent in your chair. The religious bondage that keeps you silent in the house of God. If there is one thing that religion hates, it's loud services. If there is one thing that religion hates, I'm going to come down here so y'all can hear me. If there is one thing that religion hates, it's when we praise loud. It's when we shout loud. It's when we're passionate. Our culture and even the church teaches us to be passionate about everything but God. It is not abnormal to be passionate at the football game. I was in Wisconsin one day preaching and I'm telling you they were quiet. I was, I was shouting pastor. I had to bring a, 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 a people with me to shout me down because they were so quiet. And I was running around shouting and preaching and excited. And the same people that were going, brother, it doesn't take all that. You don't have to be that radical. The next couple days they had a football game. It was like negative 50 degrees. And there was grown men that will go to the game and paint their body half yellow and half yellow and half green. And be in 50 degree weather with no shirt on. And they're considered normal to the culture. And then you come to the house of God, and a guy like me is considered weird. See, the problem is not our passion and our praise. It's that it is in the wrong place. Because you got a promotion six months ago, and we still hear about it. We still every week. Oh, you hear what happened? I got a new car. I got a new house. And I'm going, when's the last time we told somebody about the presence of God? When's the last time we didn't talk about our promotion or talk about our raise? But we said, God is moving in my life. Friend, I believe. And I didn't come to preach a nice message. You get filet mignon every week. And there's I, I have 30 messages for sale on the table. And you can go on YouTube and find a 1,000 for free. Praise the Lord. There's that. I came to challenge you and to bring conviction because I believe that there is a trumpet that is being sounded in America. There is an alarm going off in the spirit. And God is waking up the sleeping bride. That there is a sleeping giant called the church that is sleeping in one of the greatest hours of human history. That God has called us to prayer. God has called us to relationship. God has called us to radical Christianity. And what is abnormal in the American church is normal in the Bible. And what is normal in the Bible is abnormal in the church. It was not normal in the Bible to go to church for an hour on Sunday and to call yourself a believer. What was normal is every single day I am living and walking. Come on, I need some help in this place. In the presence of God, when I get around the sick, they get healed. When I get around the dead, they get raised. When I get around demon-possessed people, they get delivered. I've been told for nine years, going from an atheist to getting saved to being a revivalist, oh, you're going to fizzle 
level out. You're going to settle down. You're going to calm down. I have pastors all the time saying, Isaiah, you know, your church could be much bigger if you had better lights or better sound or you didn't talk about hell or you didn't talk about holiness or you didn't preach on demons or you didn't preach on deliverance or miracles or this. And if you would be just like us, I had a guy, I won't say the name because you'll know him. He's very famous. He has all these arena events. He literally wrote me one day on Twitter. He said, you could come preach with us in the arenas and be popular and have hundreds of thousands of followers. He said, if you just tone it down, if you just water it down, if you don't talk about this or talk about that, and I'm going with all due respect, pastor, I don't want to be like you. Because when the sick get around you, they don't get healed. When the dead get around you, they don't get raised. When demons get around you, they don't get healed. I want to be a part of a remnant church. Am I at the right place? I want to be a part of a church that prays. I want to be a part of a church that has power. I didn't sign up to be in a country club. I signed up to be in an army. I didn't sign up to be in a nursery. I signed up to engage in war. In fact, Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, we are in a battle, and the battle is not in the natural realm. Paul says this, our battle is not against. Now, scholars say Paul was under a coliseum writing this letter, and above him there was gladiators fighting and killing each other. There was Christians getting thrown in the coliseum, eaten by lions. And Paul's in this prison under this coliseum, scholars say. And Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus that we're not battling what they're battling above me, that they're fighting a war over flesh and blood. But Paul says what you need to understand in the church is there is a supernatural war that is breaking out against your marriage. There is a supernatural war that is breaking out against your family. See, I am so serious about praise. I am so serious about worship. I am so serious about shouting and being excited. Why? Because I understand that your praise is not just to get you free, but to get the people around you free. Your worship doesn't just deliver you. Acts chapter 16, for those of you that need a verse, and Paul praised at midnight, and the min- and, the, and the prison began to shake and everybody was released. See there are some things that only could be broken in praise. There are some deliverances that can only happen in worship and I believe this morning somebody is getting ready to praise their way out of their prison. I believe somebody is getting ready to praise their way out of their depression. Getting ready to pray. You should try praise. You should try shouting. You should try excitement. You should try desperation. I've tried dignified it doesn't deliver people real cute real nice come to church like it's a fashion show trying to make sure nobody knows that your life's falling apart nobody knows that your marriage is falling apart nobody knows that you don't pray nobody knows that you don't fast nobody knows that you've lost your love you've lost your fire you've lost your passion that you've walked away and here's the the deal friend you could fool everybody else into thinking you have the fire you could fool everybody else into thinking you have a relationship but there's coming a day where we are going to stand before a real God I had one day about six months ago I was praying and the Lord said Isaiah do you know how many believers in America are going to stand before me and I want to tell them well done but they haven't done anything there is only two things that you will hear on judgment day well done good and faithful servant or depart from me I do not know you and God is saying how can I tell the church or the believers in America well done if we're not doing anything to advance the kingdom of God in our everyday life last service I preached on everyday Christianity and I'm telling you there is coming a day where you pull the 
feeding tube out of your mouth, where you pull the pacifier out of your mouth and say, I really want to know God. I really want to encounter God every day in my week. I don't need to be babysat. I don't need someone to coddle me or cuddle me. There is a man coming back that is going to declare war. Our God is not a weak God. He is not a far off God. He is not a God that has no power. Our God has power. And in the book of Acts, the angel came to the disciples and said, what are y'all looking at? You know, Jesus just got picked up on a cloud. You thought your Model X was cool. You thought your Model S was cool. You thought your Tesla. Jesus drives a cloud. And a cloud literally picked him up. And as the disciples are sitting there staring at him, drive off in the new cloud. And they're freaking out with their jaw on the ground. The angel said, I don't know why you're shocked. In the same way the Son of Man has left the earth, the Son of Man is coming back. I know that we've lost this preaching in our generation. But there is a Jewish man that is coming back to our planet and is going to declare war on the nation and he's not just going to come join our Sunday morning churches but he is looking for a church he is looking for a people he's not coming back for brides he's coming back for a bride he is looking for a people group that would have a worship life a prayer life a commitment to him that would say we've overcome by the blood of the lamb by the word of our testimony and the fact that we didn't love our lives even unto death that the presence and the power power of God is the most important thing in my life. So we spend weeks planning our Disneyland vacation. Weeks planning. I was on the airplane, pastor coming over here, all full of people, so excited about Mickey Mouse. I'm going, I wish the church was excited about the presence of God as they were Mickey Mouse. I wish people were more excited about God than they were the Star Wars. And listen, I'm not here, okay, to get you to cancel Disney or any of that, to preach that. I'm just saying this, that we have such an obsession and an addiction to the things of this world. And we will literally spend weeks planning our vacation. We went to Hawaii. My dad came and said, I heard, I heard the Lord say to pay for you and your wife and kids to go to Hawaii. I said, that was absolutely the Lord because we've been wanting to go for five years and can't afford it. Praise the Lord. And so we spent weeks planning our rental car and planning where we're going to land it, planning where we're going to eat and planning where we're going to go and planning this and planning that. I mean, I got so tired by the time we went, I didn't even want to go because I'm like, all I've heard about is Hawaii for the last month. And my wife, and I'm going, man, we spend months planning our vacations. Do I have a witness? We spend weeks planning our vacation. We spend weeks planning what we're going to do for the world. And then I'm going, when's the last time we planned for our eternity? When's the last time we sat down with our kids? And say, we're not going to plan where we go for next week for vacation. We're going to plan where we're going to go forever. Friend, I'm talking about living our lives with a hundred years in mind. And saying, I'm not doing things that matter on this earth. But I'm living my life for the life to come. That there is a life after this life. That's why Jesus said, anyone that lives in me will live even after death. So I have to live my life in light of eternity. And so the reason why I praise on earth is so that I know what to do when I get to heaven. Some of you, and listen, I have no glasses on, so I can't see you grin, and praise the Lord for those lights. So don't think, oh, he was talking right to me, looking right at me. I'll, you all look like SpongeBob to me. You're completely all blurred out, praise the Lord. So I'm not looking at you. I'm not picking on you. But I'm telling you, there is a conviction and a sword of the Lord, a sword coming out of the mouth of our God, and God is beginning to challenge the idols that we've set up in the American Christian and Christian church. God is beginning to challenge the idols that we've set up in our life. Our God is 
jealous. In fact, one of his names is Jealous. He is a jealous God, and he is not willing to share you with a career. He's not willing to share you with a movie. He's not willing to share you with a hobby. He is either the Lord of all, or he's not the Lord at all. And if you're mad about it and don't like it, don't come to me. Go to the book. Jesus said, if any man, he has to lay down his life. If any man follows, he's a new creature. All the old things pass away. He goes from death to life. And now my addictions, my obsessions, and my passion is no longer things in the natural realm, but it's things over the spiritual realm. There is a war breaking out, and I am afraid we are ill-equipping the body of Christ because we are focusing on natural ways to solve supernatural issues. Well, you just need to go to counseling. Jesus did not counsel demons. He cast demons out of people. You don't need counseling. You need deliverance. Well, we just need to take this. You don't. You need supernatural breakthrough and supernatural power. See, we're trying to solve things with natural reasons and resources and arguments. But the Bible says that our weapons are not carnal. But they. I'm preaching the word, y'all. Y'all got to help me. But they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. We have supernatural weapons. Are we using them? We're in a war. And the Bible says, put on the full armor of God. I'm not going to go into this because we don't wear armor because you don't need armor if you're not in a battle. And a lot of us are not battling. If we ask ourselves, and I'm, listen, I, just like the first service, I was, I was convicted by my own message. And I'm challenging myself with this. I'm going, God, do I put on the armor every day? Would a soldier in Iraq get up and forget his armor and go out in civilian clothing? Absolutely not because he's not dumb. And he knows that he's in a battle and he might get shot at any moment. But why is it believers wake up every day and we don't put on the armor of God? Why is it we've gone six months without you don't leave the house with no pants yet you leave the house with no armor why because we are engaging in warfare and if you're not in war you don't need to wear armor how many people know you're not going to go to the dentist with a bulletproof vest on because you're not in battle yet if you're in Iraq you wear a bulletproof vest every day why because we're in a battle and the church is unaware and that is why the enemy is infiltrating our families he is infiltrating our marriages he is infiltrating our minds he is building strongholds and the Bible says the only way to withstand the strategies of the enemy is the armor of God. What is that word strategy? It's a military plan. Here's what it means. There is a boardroom right now of demons. I don't know how you want to classify principalities, powers. I'm not going to go into demon teaching right here, even though I'm passionate about it. There is a boardroom happening 24-7. Now, the problem is the devil's full-time and the church is part-time. So the devil's not taking vacations. He's not taking days off. He doesn't check in and check out the way we do. He's 24-7. If you talk to witches and warlocks, which I do because they come to my meetings, they will tell you that they. one of them told me I'm blown away because we spend 8 to 10 hours a day astro projecting, and churches have hour prayer meetings once a week, if that, and half of you don't even show up to the prayer meeting, and they go, we don't understand that the witches and the warlocks are committed, but believers aren't. I was at IHOP one day, and there was a Muslim that literally in the middle of the IHOP got on his face and prayed, because three times a day, they have to pray, and I'm going, believers want to get on their face at church, and Muslims are getting on their face at IHOP. I'm looking at Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons coming to my house every day, and I'm going, I don't want to hear it every day. They're trying to do this and do that, and then I go, you know what? I have a little bit of respect for them because when's the last time believers were going to their neighbors and going to their friends? See, we have the only living God, the only God that has supernatural power, and I'm wondering why we're hiding in the church. I'll tell you one of the reasons. 
the way we get people saved. Now, I'm not here to talk about the sinner's prayer because I want to get invited back, so I have to be careful when I get into theology. But we tell people all the time, I've seen this a thousand times traveling. We say, okay, well, if you want to get saved, just close your eyes and raise your hand. Okay, I see those hands. You're saved. And we literally introduce people to the faith with their eyes closed, letting them know we don't want no one to know that you're a believer. And we have a bunch of secret agent Christians that are wondering why we're not advancing in the kingdom of God. And I'm talking about in warfare. See, the enemy is planning and strategizing and I'm trying to be nice, but your little hour and a half service is not going to overcome the strategies of demons that have taken down rulers, that have taken down kings, and that know the Bible better than you. In fact, your Bible says that the demons tremble at the presence of God, yet the church doesn't tremble at the presence of God. I'm confused how the devil quotes scripture to fight Jesus, yet believers don't know scripture to fight the devil. I'm confused why the enemy believes and trembles, yet isn't saved and so we know that believing is not enough we know that trembling is not enough but there is a relationship that takes place when I know God I'll never forget while I was casting a demon out of someone one day and this demon was in this girl and it would not come out and I'm going on for hours pastor I'm like this demon will not come out I don't understand and so I literally just started preaching the gospel to the demon because I didn't know what else to do and I'm like if it wasn't for Calvary I, I told the whole story of Calvary of how Jesus walked to that hill called Golgotha I mean I told that demon about the 39 lashes and after that the demon said stop preaching to me I was there that's what the demon spoke out of this girl in a growling voice it was not the girl she was passed out and I said, you lying devil. And the Holy Spirit, as I said, you lying devil, the Holy Spirit instantly spoke to me and said, that demon's not lying. That demon was there. And the Lord revealed to me, Isaiah, there is a supernatural battle against spiritual powers that are eternal. They've been around since the beginning of time. And we as believers have gotten so arrogant and cocky. And we open up demonic portals through movies. We open up demonic portals. I don't care if it's a cartoon. If there is witchcraft in the cartoon, it is an open door to demonic spirits. I don't care if it's just, well, it's not a big deal. It's just me and my wife watching it. If there is adultery in the movie, it's a supernatural portal to the spirit of adultery. I'm telling you that we are opening portals. Now we could use our phones to open up supernatural portals for heaven or we could use them to open up supernatural portals for the enemy. Your word is a supernatural portal that gives you access into spiritual dimensions. Jesus said when you pray, pray that my kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. There is an invasion of God's kingdom when you pray. When you pray, you're inviting not just God, but you're bringing the whole kingdom down. So when we have prayer, we're making earth look like heaven. Why do we worship? Because the throne room is full of worship. I told the youth last night, we don't start worship at 7.30. We join worship at 7.30. We don't start service at 11 o'clock. We join service at 11 o'clock because for a billion years, the angels have been worshiping holy, holy, holy as the Lord God Almighty. They do not rest. And by the way, there's no Hillsong album coming out of there. There's no Jesus culture songs being released. They are singing the same old song day in and day out that God, you are holy and they there is nobody like our God. And in that throne room, there is no sickness. In that throne room, there are no demons. In that throne room, there's no depression. And the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. One version says that God makes our praise his throne. So that when we worship and we praise, it becomes the throne room of God. And whatever's up there manifests. What do you tell Peter? Peter, I'm going to give you keys. 
and what you what? Bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Peter, you have power. Now, I'm not going to go deep into this because it's not my message. Praise the Lord. You have power over two dimensions, the natural dimension and the supernatural. Peter, why don't you use supernatural power? Peter, why is it that you're fumbling and fighting and dealing with demons, calling them addictions? You're dealing with depression and anxiety and fear and all these things that God has given you power. Friend, you have power, beloved, to trample every serpent, to trample every snake. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I came to declare to somebody that that curse has no power. That that demon has no power. That God has stripped the enemy of every power and of every influence. You've been given keys, but we're not planning. Our hour Bible studies at Starbucks, praise the Lord, they're great. They're not going to overcome the spiritual darkness we're about to see in this hour. I'm not trying to scare you, and I don't want to tell you what I want to tell you because it will scare you. But there is a storm that is getting ready to come to America. There is a spiritual storm that is breaking out in our world right now. There is a war, and the church is sound asleep, unaware that there is a spiritual war that is getting ready to break out. I'm not a gloom and doom preacher, but we are living in the last days. The birth pains have begun. And I want to say this, and this is completely biblical. Go read Romans and Matthew 24. That things will not get better before they get worse. That things are going to begin to get worse. The Bible declares of earthquakes, hurricanes, and signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Rumors of war, nation against nation. We are seeing that even now. And Romans tells us that when you see the birth pains getting closer. Now I got three kids, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And there is one thing I know about contractions. That when you have contractions, we, my wife first started having contractions. And our first daughter, we called the hospital. And they said, oh, no, 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 don't worry about the contractions. Contractions. They said, if they're five minutes apart, that's when you have to worry. And the nurse said, as soon as the contractions get closer and closer and closer, then you know what? That the baby is coming. So if there's one contraction and then 20 minutes go by and there's another contraction, don't even stress about it because that's not, the baby's not going to come until they get closer. And in Book of Romans, it says that every earthquake, every hurricane, all the wars, all the pestilence, the fires we're seeing in Australia, the, and all these things, those are all contractions. Every time an earthquake happens, it's a contraction. Every time a fire happens, it's a contraction. When wars break out, they're contractions. Uh, the earth is literally in labor. There are labor pains, the Bible declares. Uh, and the Bible says the earth is in labor because it's been cursed. Mankind was just not only cursed, uh, but the actual earth was actually cursed. Uh, and the Bible says it's groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Uh, the earth is waiting for us to get up off our lazy tail uh, and say, I am a son and daughter of Almighty God, uh, and I'm going to preach to all creation. Uh, so we know that when the birth pains or the contractions, uh, they get so sudden or they get so close or they're happening on a non-stop basis then we know that something is getting ready to happen in the nation and in the world and the church needs to be prepared that we need to raise up our spiritual standard we need to be the men of our home and say devil I am not allowing you to come in this house another night I am done getting my haircut at Delilah's barbershop I'm done having sleepovers with Jezebel I'm done napping with Bathsheba I am breaking off every demonic influence. I am breaking off every strategy because the church was never meant to be on the defense. We're very good, Pastor, at playing defense. So we sit back and we wait for the enemy to hit our marriage. 
and we wait for the enemy to hit our family, and we wait for the enemy. And then what happens? Right when it happens, we run to God, we pray, we cry, we ask the pastor to put oil on us and lay hands on us, do all. We're nowhere to be found when everything's going good. And the moment adversary strikes, we run to God. Yet when Jesus came to Peter, he said, Peter, I'm getting ready to build a church. And on my church, he says this, that the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. In other words, gates are not an offensive weapon. How many people know that if you're going to go attack a country, you're not going to use gates to attack a country because gates were not built to be on the offense. They're built to be on the defense. And what Jesus was saying is that gates are not going to prevail against my church because my church is offensive. Hell is defensive. And I want my church to violently advance and bring down darkness. You have been called to be a change agent over your family. You've been called to be a change agent over your marriage. Our men in this house are supposed to rise up and say, I am the priest of my home. I am tired of wives lining up at the prayer meetings Say, why is it my husband wants to stay home and watch the UFC instead of come to prayer? No problem spending $70 on a pay-per-view video, but God forbid we ask you to give to the mission work. Why is it? Because they don't understand that the fight is not in the octagon. The fight is in the spiritual realm. There is a battle, and the enemy is waging war. And right now, listen, you could be mad about it. You could be angry about it. I would rather you not like me on earth and love me in heaven than to love me on earth and hate me in hell because I didn't preach the truth to you. There is a war going on, and God is equipping a remnant, and God is equipping a bride, and God is saying, I want to begin to clean house in 2020. Acts chapter 2020, this verse God gave our ministry, we're literally changing our entire ministry for what God is doing this hour. I'm telling you that God is doing a new thing in this hour. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, the Bible says to forget the old. Behold, I'm about to do a new thing. But when he told them to forget the old, it wasn't the bad things they they wanted them to forget. It wasn't the depression he wanted them to forget. It wasn't the anxiety. It was actually, if you go back and read it, it was all the good things that God did to deliver them. And the Lord says, forget about all the good things. Watch this now. And I'm about to do something new. Why would you tell me to forget about the good things? because we have the tendency to live in the glory of what God did yesterday and not advance into what God is doing tomorrow. We have the tendency to live off of yesterday's victory, but yesterday's victory are not enough for today's trials. There is a fresh manna every day. There is a walk with God every day. It is more than once a week church service. It is a daily encounter in the presence of God. Eat once a week. And then let me know how how much you weigh after a couple weeks. You'll be walking around like me, 130 pounds. I turn to the side, you can barely see me. I mean, I I I was telling I was telling Reuben on the way over here. I'm like, bro, I just hate eating. I mean, it's one of my biggest struggles. I literally, and I'll pray over you if you want that gift. But and you could pray over me the gift of eating because I just literally I'm trying to gain weight. I just hate eating, and I'm sitting there going, man, the church. I'm just so blown away how we think we could charge our phone once a week and it'll last all week long. I'm blown away that we think we could charge our spiritual life once a week and it'll last all week long. I'm blown away that we eat for an hour on Sunday morning and expect us to be strong in the spirit and we're starving we are on life support as believers because we're not diving into the word of God yet Jesus told the children of Israel God told the children of Israel I want you to collect manna every day well we just want to do it once a week no you can't do it once a week it's not a weekly thing it's a daily thing the Bible says and the ravens fed Elijah how often every single day Jesus had give us this what this day our daily bread see the bread was not a weekly bread it was a daily bread but when you turn the daily bread into weekly bread you're not even connected to 
the bread. And so God says, I want to have a daily encounter. I want a daily relationship. You have access to my power. You have access to my anointing every day. And if we don't begin to get connected to God in the spirit, if we don't begin to get connected to God in the spiritual realm and hear what God is saying and do what God is doing, we will live our lives in the natural realm, frustrated, tired, and burned out. I love a pastor in the back. All these pastors preaching about burnout. Have you guys seen this? There's pastors now. I feel like it's every two weeks of these big churches, and they're getting up before the congregation saying, I'm burned out. I'm tired. I'm leaving the ministry. I need to take a sabbatical. I need to take a month off, six months off. And I'm going, what happens when you burn out is you lose, when you run out of oil. When there's no oil, there's no fire. Pastors are burning out because we're not refilling our lamps with oil. Outside of a prayer life, you'll never have enough oil to burn all week long. Outside of reading the Bible, this is what fuels you. Some of you might be confused. Why are you up there shouting? I don't understand why you're so crazy. It's the fire of Almighty God on the inside of me. Jeremiah said, there is a fire shut up in my bones that I am weary of containing. There is a fire. If you're hungry or desperate or need more of God, the fire of God is what makes you passionate. The fire of God is what motivates you to do the work of the ministry. And we're trying to do it without the fire. I was recently telling the Lord, I don't know if you've seen a lot of these big churches now. They're building their buildings. Where, and I love, listen, I love big churches. I preach at big churches all the time. I have a lot of amazing friends that have big churches. There's nothing wrong with big churches. The, the problem is, though, when a light show you think is going to deliver people, I've never seen one of those lights hit somebody that's drug addicted and the drug addict gets delivered because of a light. I've never seen our tight leather pants on the worship team get anyone saved or healed or delivered. I love your hairstyle, Mr. Preacher, but I've never seen your cool hairstyle deliver anybody. People are not looking just for cool. People are not looking for just lights, folk, smoke, and fog. People are looking for the manifest presence and power of God. The only thing that we, oh, somebody needs to help me preach in this place. The only thing that we have to offer this world is the presence of God. The only thing we have to offer Paramount, California, is the anointing and the power of God. What makes us relevant is not our tight pants. Well, brother, you just need to be more relevant. Being relevant is not having nice hair, is not having hip expensive shoes or clothing, is not having a good-looking worship team or a light show or a good screen. Being relevant in the Bible was having the presence of God when nobody else did. Being relevant, oh, that's good preaching. I hope my wife is watching, taking notes. Being relevant is when I have what nobody else has. See, the only thing we have to offer. Now, I, I have a church right close to me, I gotta be careful what I say because you'll look it up, that I got saved at, and they're amazing, they have a gym, a 24 hour gym that's bigger than the gym in our city in their church, they have an arcade that's bigger than Chuck E. Cheese inside their church, they have a coffee shop that's five times the size of Starbucks, they have a restaurant, I mean you can literally just go live there during an apocalypse and be fine, I mean they got an amusement park, a roller coaster, I'm not lying y'all, they got, I mean, and I tell our church all the time, I said I can't compete with it, I don't have money to build a roller coaster going through the sanctuary, I don't have money to build an arcade for the kids, I don't have it, I said but we will offer you is the presence of God because the world can offer coffee shops which I love coffee shops the world can offer restaurants coffee and donuts but the world can't offer a heroin addict that walks in 35 years on heroin the deliverance power of the Holy Spirit the world can offer a homosexual that says I don't want to live this lifestyle I was born this way well baby you're not going to be born again that way the world can't help somebody that's on the verge of divorce where the love has died out 
out, but by the power and the anointing of Almighty God, restore their marriage. The world can't break suicide. A light show can't heal cancer. But this church is offering Paramount, California, the anointing and the power of Almighty God. There is still power. The devil's not threatened by us falling over. He's threatened by us changing. Because a lot of you fall over, but you're still oppressed by demonic powers. Fall over every week. As long as a pastor just prays for me and I fall out in the band of God. Some of you are waiting around and getting in line for me to pray for you. You don't need me to pray for you. You need an encounter with Almighty God. You need to go to God and say, God, I need you. I need your word. And this is not a substitute for the word of God, by the way. David did not say, I Googled your word so I might not sin against you. David said, I hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I know your word. I consume your word. This is my weapon. When Jesus fought the devil himself in the wilderness, what did Jesus use as a weapon? He used the word of God. How did he fight demonic powers? He said, it is written. You will never be able to fight demonic powers if you don't know what is written in the word of God. You will never be able to overcome the assignment and the strategy of the enemy. But I hear the sound of an army rising in this place. I hear dry bones getting ready to fight. I hear somebody getting ready to get their shout back. I hear somebody getting ready to get their praise back. I hear the sound of rain that your famine is getting ready to end, that your drought is getting ready to end. I hear the prodigals coming home. I hear marriages being restored. I rebuke divorce in the name of Jesus. Spiritual. So here's what I'm believing for 2020. Revival will not just be in this church, but it'll be in your marriage. Revival. I wish somebody was excited about that and I didn't have to yell. Revival will not just be at this altar, but revival will be with your kids. That you'll begin to take your kids and say, we're going to pray together. We're going to fast together. We're going to believe God for awakening and revival. We're going to believe that the power of God is not just for a 20-minute altar, but the power of God is for every day in our life. We are in an Acts 20-20 moment where Paul said, I preach even in your home. I'm telling you, the days of you living your life off a feeding tube are over. We are in the day where God wants to come home with you. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm not going to give you a flyer. I'm coming to your house today. And I believe the word of the Lord this morning is that Jesus is coming to your house. That Jesus is getting ready to invade. But before he comes to your house, we have to clean house. Let me share this with you. I got radically saved. I was an atheist. I shared the, at the youth. I got I graduated high school at 16. I graduated college at 19. I full-on did not believe in God. I didn't go to church for three years. Raised in church. Turned my back on God. I was drinking every day. Every other word was the F word. I was partying. I was getting hired as a police officer in our local sheriff's department. And my sister bugged me, just come to church, just come to church. And I'm giving you the fast one-minute version for what I want to tell you. Come to church. I went to church. I walked to the door of that church. I said, after today, I'm never going back to church again. Ironically, now I literally spend every single weekend in church. Praise the Lord. I said, I'm never stepping foot into church again. And in that moment, after that, during that altar call, the Lord literally grabbed me by the shirt and pulled me to the altar. The Bible says nobody comes to the Father unless the Spirit first draws them. I still believe in the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. I still believe right now the Lord is drawing some of you to revival. I believe the Lord is drawing you into conviction. I believe the Lord is drawing you into spiritual warfare. I believe this morning there is a drawing happening right now in the Spirit. And I got drawn to that altar. I stood at the altar, and I'm going to go through all the details 
just to get through this. An audible voice spoke from heaven. Remember, I was an atheist. An audible voice said, Isaiah, I don't want any 99.9% of you, but I want all of you. Said, Isaiah, if you'll give me everything, I will use you to preach to my church. I will use you to preach awakening. What, what state is the church in where God has to find an atheist because pastors are not willing to preach the raw and compromised word of God? What state are we in when God has to raise up Kanye West to go do church on the street because the church is hiding in the building? Remember, according to Luke 14, if you're taking notes, and Matthew 22, why would Jesus go outside the, those that got invited because they didn't accept the invite? What happened in Luke 14, 22? I'm glad you asked. He invited the church to revival. And what did they say? We're too busy. The Bible says, and they all begin to make excuses. And remember, what held them back from going to the wedding banquet was not bad stuff. It was actually good stuff. One of them said, well, I just bought property. The next one said, I just got married. The third one said, well, I just bought a new car. I can't make it to the revival. It's not the bad things in life that keep us from the move of God. It's the good things that are hindering and distracting us. And so the Lord in his anger said, go invite what? Those that were never intended to be invited. Go into the highways and the byways and invite them and those that were never supposed to come. I don't think God's first plan was to call an atheist to preach, but the problem was those that were in the church were too busy with all their churchianity and religious programs that they weren't willing to have revival in their homes. So God had to raise, I don't think Kanye West was God's first plan, but God says, I want the church to leave the building, and the only way I'm going to do that is by raising up Kanye West to do it. Understand that it's the good things that prevent us from the God things another message that was free for you okay it's on the flash drive praise the lord you can hear it for an hour and a half back there so all of a sudden i get radically saved long story short i don't sleep for three days i don't eat for two weeks my uncle's been in ministry for 30 years he's doing a conference in new york they said you got to get home isaiah has lost his mind he's literally seeing demons everywhere angels everywhere he's prophesying over the cat prophesying over the dog i mean if i told you some of the stuff i did in the beginning you would just call me, you I, you would look you look at me different i can't even tell you and the lord said isaiah i'm getting ready to birth a revival in your home by the way we're nine years in revival now at my home listen we're not in the home anymore but for that first year we were having three to five hundred people come to my living room every single week within three months without no flyer without no facebook without no youtube why because if god wants to do something how many know no devil's gonna stop god from what he wants to do we saw miracles deliverances all my family got saved, my brothers, my sisters, my cousins, my uncles, my aunts, not only did they get saved nine years ago, they're still in the ministry nine years later, my old friends I was partying with and doing all that stuff with all got saved, got delivered, my entire ministry is comprised of people I used to party with, why? Because when God's hand shows up, it does not matter what demonic strategy is in your life, it doesn't matter what generational curse is in your life, it doesn't matter what your mom did, what your dad did, what your friend did, see the Lord came to me and my uncle gets home from New York and and after 14-hour conversation, not exaggerating, I talk for 14 hours. Y'all think I talk long now. I talk for 14 hours. He said, okay, I hear you, end times, Jesus is coming back, all that radical stuff. He said, but what is the Lord saying? I said, the Lord's saying there's going to be a revival, but I have to clean house. See, the Lord showed me, now listen, before I say this, because some of you are going to get all, you just wiggle out of your chair and start manifesting on me. This is what God said to me. These were my convictions. I don't get up here and even tell my convictions because I'll make half of you mad. So I don't get, these are my personal convictions, okay? I'm, I would never push my personal convictions on you. I just want to tell you that if you want revival, there is a price to have revival, you can't have revival and have your Justin Bieber music at the same time. You can't love revival and love Lady Gaga. You can't love revival and love demonic movies. You can't love revival and love the culture. Okay, so you got to understand that according to James, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy to God. Well, that's a whole other sermon, and I don't want to freak out the newcomers, okay? So he said, you got to clean house. 
So I said, okay, Lord, what does that mean? He said, I want, now, okay, pastor, I cannot say this enough. This is what God told me to do, okay? I'm not up here telling you to do this. I'm not even encouraging. I would not probably try this at home because you might just actually have a spiritual awakening. And God forbid that happen, okay? So I'm not telling you to, ha- to do this. I'm just telling you when people say, well, how'd the revival happen? How'd you get on TV with Reinhard Bunky? I'm telling you how it all happened. It happened in a living room when God came to me and said, Isaiah, I want you to get rid of every idol in your house. Now, here's the problem. I lived with my parents. So I, I, didn't, I didn't own anything in the house except for the Xbox in my living room, which I, in my room, which I already broke, and the computer, which I already snapped, and the music, which I already broke. Okay, so I already broke every idol. The moment I got home from service, God told me to clean everything out of your room, and I literally threw everything out. Well, you, I had friends tell me, well, you had thousands of dollars worth of games. You could have sold them. We don't sell idols. We destroy idols, okay? They, they had witchcraft books in the Bible, and they didn't sell the books. They burned the books. So we don't sell our idols. If it's an idol, we destroy it. We don't try to go get money for it. Praise the Lord. And so the Lord said, now remember, let me say this again. This is what God told me to do. He said, Isaiah, when your parents leave for work, I want you to get every TV out of this house. So, because the Lord said, I want to have a revival in your living room. This was nine years ago. So I said, okay. So my parents left and we had one of those huge screens. But back in the day, there was no flat screens. They were fat screens. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They were like this thick and there was like a, you know, a whole operation going on. It was like a jet engine on the inside of them. And so I, I won't say the names, but I had to call some people to help me while my parents were gone, okay? So I went, I got the TV. Mind you, my parents were praying for me my whole life. They were in the ministry, so they, they understood this. And so I had some friends help me. We moved the TV out. I went into my brother's room who was not safe, was a major drug dealer in our area, dealing ecstasy, was moving in two weeks to go plant a marijuana house in San Francisco. So he was not saved. I went in his room, started removing stuff out of his room. I went into my little sister's room, my older sister's room. I went into my parents' room. I, like I said, do not do this at home, young people. Praise the Lord, okay? This is a good way to get spanked. And so I went into every room, and I just got rid of everything. My parents got home, and they said, what are you doing? I mean, they went off on me. I said, Mom, Dad, you've been praying for this. And they got convicted. I said, God's going to do a revival. Everyone thought I was nuts because I said, hundreds of people are going to come, and they're going to be standing outside. And if you want to see on YouTube, you can see 300 people standing outside of my house. I said, they're going to be outside looking through the windows. And my parents are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they said, all right, Isaiah, that's what God's calling you to do. We're just glad God saved you, God delivered you, brought you all this. So I said, okay. So we cleared out the entire house. So that night, I'm praying, I'm praying. I said, Lord, now is the time for awakening. Now is the time for revival. And the Lord said, there's still stuff in your house that you haven't cleaned out. I said, Lord, what? This is what the Lord told me. He said, your brother hid all, this is nine years ago, so don't think I'm old-fashioned, but your brother hid a bunch of Blu-ray. He bought all the Harry Potters, like from one to whatever, nine, whatever, how many they have, like a hundred of them. He bought all of them brand new on Blu-ray, which at that time, Blu-ray just came out. It was like $50 a disc. And he bought them, and he knew you were cleaning out the house, so he hid them on the bottom of his dirty laundry in his room. Well, the Lord's telling me this in prayer in my room, and the Lord says, unless you remove that witchcraft out of your house, what the Lord told me, now I don't want to argue and debate you well, it's just a cartoon. I'm not arguing or debating. That's not what I'm doing. I'm telling you my testimony. And so I said, okay. So the Lord says, you're going to have to go in there and get rid of those, or I'm not going to manifest the way I fully want to manifest in your house. So I went in my brother's room, and I was like, what you doing? He was like, get out of my room. He hated me because me and him drank and partied. We were throwing party with two, 300 people every night, and now we're no longer partying. I'm not drinking with him. So he's mad because he's now lost not just his brother, but he's lost his party friend. And so he's like, get out of my room, you Jesus freak. You're this. I mean, would just cuss me out all over, all the time, all the time. I said, yeah, well, um, I'm just seeing what you're doing. And he's like, nothing. What do you want? I said, there's something in this room that um, uh, the Lord just told me. He said, get away. I ran. I'm talking about dirty. You're talking about a bachelor in college, praise the Lord. I went through those dirty boxers and dirty shirts 
shirts and smelly this and smelly. I dug through the bottom. I'm telling you, I thought I was nuts because like, there's no way this is real. This is actually happening. And at the very bottom of his dirty laundry, he had a stack of Harry Potter DVDs. He said, I put those there because I didn't think you'd go through my laundry or find those. And I grabbed those and I ran like a lion was chasing me. And I ran in my, I locked myself in my room till he went to work. Praise the Lord. And then the Lord said, and I went and prayed. I said, Lord, now is now the time for revival? He said, not yet. There's still one more thing. I was like, oh, Lord, please, hopefully it's not my parents' room. I want to find anything I shouldn't be finding. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so I said, Lord, what is it? My little sister who invited me to church has never, does not drink, does not a drinker. I drink every day. She did not drink or party or do none of that. The Lord speaks to me and says, there's a bottle of expensive tequila. That's what the Lord speaks to me. This is not my friend. This is not my camera in her room. He said, there's an expensive bottle of tequila on the top hidden up in her closet that her boss gave her from her work. She worked at a Mexican restaurant, and she's hiding it, and I will not move if there's oh, idols. You need to go get rid of that bottle. This is the Lord telling me this. And so I went in her room. I'm like, what you doing? She was like, nothing, what, what's going on? I was like, um, you're going to think I'm crazy? Because remember, she's in this with me. We're like revival buddies. I, I, didn't, I don't know any of the believers but her. It was just me and my sister. I was it. I said, um, the Lord just told me, I know this is going to sound crazy, and I don't even think this is God, honestly, because there's no way this is true, because I know you don't drink, but um, I think the Lord told me there's a bottle of tequila up in your closet. She turned white as Casper the friendly ghost. I'm telling you, she said, oh, my gosh, how did you know? I said, well, I was in prayer, and the Lord says, I will not move unless you remove this idol. She said, at the top of my closet, she said, my boss, she starts telling me story. She said, my my boss bought me this bottle of tequila. It's $300, and he gave them out for all the, like, employees of the year, some festival thingy, some thing they did. And, the, and I didn't want to throw it away because I knew it was $300, and I was afraid to get rid of it. I don't know what to do with it. And it's at the top, and she pulls out this huge bottle. And some of y'all have it in your closet. You know what kind of I'm talking about, praise the Lord. We're going to get you saved today. He pulls out this huge bottle of Hispanic tequila, and we went and poured that thing down the drain. And the Lord says, Isaiah, now that the TVs are out, and now that the movies are out, and now that the music is out, and now that that the witchcraft is out and the alcohol is out. Now I can manifest. And I'm telling you, friend, for a year in my home, the Lord began to do miracle signs and wonders. Not only did my brother get radically saved and delivered, but my parents' marriage got restored. My family got saved. My cousins that were on drugs came and got saved. I had friends that were getting saved. They would walk in the revival. I had a lady that had breast cancer, walked in, and the breast cancer literally left her. She came back a week later with a doctor's report. I had a cousin that was born deaf, get his hearing back. I have an aunt who's a nurse that had no eardrum, was born without her right eardrum. She got a brand new eardrum to this day. It's a miracle. I'm telling you, I saw people get out of wheelchairs. We saw deliverance. Literally hundreds of people. We would have 200 inside, 300 outside. And I would literally preach and people would sit on my feet. And I would baptize the first five rows in saliva. I would preach and I would shout. And God began to move all because, if I could get the worship team up, all because God said it's time to clean your house. It's time to clean house. This is the word for second service because the word for first service was different, like I said. The word of the Lord for the second service is it's time to clean house. Isaiah, are you talking about this church? Absolutely not. I'm talking about your church. I'm talking about your church, Dad, that you're the pastor of called your family. I'm talking about your marriage. I'm talking about your community. I'm talking about your neighborhood. I'm talking about the manifest presence of God dwelling in your house so strong that your unsafe family and unsafe friends come over to have some tamales on Christmas. And they say, what is in this house? Because I felt happy since the moment I've walked in. I felt joy since the moment I've walked in. There is something dwelling in your house. See, God does not just want to dwell at your church, but he wants to dwell in your home. Because it's easy to be a good preacher. 
and it's easy to be a good father. But what's hard is to be a good preacher and a good father. And I've told the Lord, I refuse to sacrifice my family on the altar of the ministry. I refuse to live my life traveling and preaching and seeing all these thousands of people get saved and my very own kids not have a dad that taught them how to pray. Not have a dad. I don't, I'm not interested in teaching my son to throw a football. I want to teach my son how to drive out a devil and heal the sick. My wife not be, might not be teaching my daughters to cook, but she's teaching my daughters how to read the word of God. She might not be teaching them how to clean, but she's teaching them how to live a clean life. And I want to raise my kids in the move of God. I want to raise my kids in the fire everybody stand to their feet if you're in this place this morning and you say Isaiah I need to clean house not just in my home but in my mind I believe the Lord wants to purify your thought life let me just make this clear God does not judge you based on your thoughts so you might say I'm going to hell because of what I think about but thoughts do create actions what you do online eventually will go offline so the Lord says, I want to wash your mind. I want to cleanse your mind. I want to restore those things that you look at. I want to give you new eyes and a new heart. I want to take that heart of stone, that bitterness, that anger, that resentment, that pain, that frustration, that unforgiveness, that wound. Whatever you've been through, God says, I want to wash you. I want to restore you. I want to take that hard-heartedness and that bitterness, and I want to give you a heart of flesh. I believe the Lord wants to bring tears to somebody today. I believe somebody that's been hard-hearted, that hasn't been able to cry, that's been depressed. I believe the Lord is breaking depression. I believe the Lord is breaking anxiety. I believe the Lord is breaking addiction. I was at a church in Southern California. I won't mention where because I don't, I don't want to mention the church. And the Lord gave me a vision that there was a snake. Now, pastor doesn't know me super well, but as he gets to know me, he's going to know that I don't, I don't talk about visions often. I don't have angels show up to me every 30 minutes like some of these evangelists. I, I mean, there's people that have encounters every five minutes. I'm like, I don't have those. If I see something in the spirit, it's real, and I'm going to say it, but it doesn't happen often. I was in this church, and the Lord showed me, it was like an open-eye vision, that there was women all over that room, and the Lord's showing me right now is why I'm telling you this, and there was a snake that was, literally, I saw a snake wrapped around the mind of the women in that church. Wrapped around with confusion, with depression, with insecurities, with anxiety, with this and that. And I'm saying, I just begin to declare. Now, there were some ladies at the altar that were just like, just not, not into it. They were not experiencing anything. And they were kind of like, they look a little bit angry. I don't know. And so I, I gave this word. And all those women that I saw throughout the church, men's wives and mothers and aunts, and all of them began to just weep and cry and shake in the presence of God. Well, I didn't know that the pastor's wife was actually standing behind me as I'm doing this. She was on the worship standing behind me. And she, I didn't know this, and they said this publicly, she had been battling anxiety. She had been battling depression. She had been battling suicidal thoughts. I mean, the pastor's wife, amazing family, amazing ministry, and she had been battling. Nobody knew about this. And as I begin to say that, she fell out and began to, like, literally manifest just the enemy had been so wrapped up. And the Lord began to show me that the enemy has tried to wrap himself around the mind of mothers, around the mind of wives, and try to bring confusion and anxiety, stress, tried to bring depression. And a lot of you women, you're afraid to talk about or say anything, but the Lord sees you. And this morning, I really feel one of the words is that God is beginning to uncoil that demonic snake that's been constricting your mind, that's been taking your joy, that's been taking your purpose. And God is bringing deliverance. I speak to every mind over every woman in this house. And I say, every snake has to go. I say, every snake has to get off of you. I break the power of of depression. I break the power of anxiety. I break the power of fear that there is deliverance in this house tonight. There is deliverance right now. 
Those of you that have battled having kids, my best friend had tried having kids for years, and the Lord gave his wife and has now given them supernatural children. I was at a church and I declared this, that there are those that are barren in this house, that God is giving kids. And one of the associate pastor's wife, again, was on stage. I'm like, man, I don't know how many times I prophesied. And, the, and their wife ends up being behind me. She was one of the worship leaders at the church. And they had been trying to have kid for f- kids for five plus years. And we prayed over her. The Lord, I mean, did something strong over her. And a year and a half later, they sent me a picture of their twins. Why? Because our God has power to do what doctors say it's impossible. When me and my wife, and I feel the need to say this, when me and my wife went in for an ultrasound for our second child we went to a specialist the doctor did an ultrasound on my wife and said it should literally this is by the way she's pregnant with our second child five months pregnant when this happened though the doctor say it, this out of his mouth said it should be impossible for you to have kids he said the way your uterus is the shape of it is like a 0.0001% chance you should ever have kids he said I don't know how you're having a second child and by the way we have three working on number four in the name of Jesus praise the Lord because the thing is, what your doctor says is impossible, our God says is possible. What the doctors say will never happen, our God says it could happen. And I prophesy over you that revival is coming to your house. I prophesy over you that healing is coming to your marriage. I prophesy over you that all of your kids will serve the Lord. I prophesy over you every demonic strategy, every demonic assignment is being broken. If you say, Isaiah, I want revival in my home, I want you to get out of your chair right now. If you say, Isaiah, I'm I'm dedicating my living room. I am dedicating my house to revival and awakening. I want you to come to this altar and say, Lord, I'm cleaning house. I'm getting rid of the idols in my life. I'm getting rid of the idols in my marriage. I'm getting rid of the idols off my phone. I need revival and awakening. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.